You're listening to Catholic Chicago on WNDZ 750 AM. During the next hour, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Welcome, everybody, and welcome to our show this morning on this beautiful Monday morning after kind of a rough night for many people. We had some real uh, bad storms here in Chicago, but hopefully people are okay, and uh, there's not too much damage. I understand there's a little bit of damage in the western suburbs, but um, we will make do and uh, with this day, the day after Father's Day. So a belated happy Father's Day to everybody out there, and uh, thanks for listening to the program this morning. Uh, we have a very interesting program, we hope. Uh, for you today, uh, this first program after the legislative session has ended. But nevertheless, we still have a lot of issues to discuss, uh, even though the legislature is not uh, going, at least as of right now, today. So let's go over the lineup today, uh, if we could. Uh, we have a very interesting guest. The first guest of the program is going to be uh, Deacon Ernie Martinez. He is a law enforcement officer in the Denver, Colorado area, and who is very involved with the uh, effort to oppose legalization of marijuana uh, a couple years ago out in Colorado, as we were here, um, both unsuccessful. But we wanted to take a little bit of time and talk about um, the legalization and the impacts it's had on communities. Um, what jogged our memories here was a recent newspaper story about the, the black market uh, for uh, marijuana and how it surpassed the, the legal market. And anyway, we're going to bring Bert Ernie on here in just a second. Um, after that, we're going to jump to uh, a victory we had. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, the legislative session. Uh, back last year, we were successful in defending the scholarship tax credit. And with us, uh, I think we'll be in studio, is Anthony Holter, who is the president of Empower Illinois. Um, and after that, about 8.40 or so, we're going to talk to uh, Barbara Lyons. Barbara is with Physicians Against, uh, I'm sorry, yeah, Physicians Against Suicide. And um, she is going to be talking about physician-assisted suicide throughout the country, what's going on uh, in Illinois and elsewhere across the country. And then um, finally, we're going to talk about some immigration issues, uh, some issues pending at the federal level. Uh, we'll bring two guests in to talk about that. But uh, what I want to do then is uh, jump back to the uh, topic du jour, the first uh, leadoff, if you will. Uh, we'll be talking with um, Ernie Martinez. He is a deacon of the Catholic Church out in the Diocese of Colorado. Ernie, you're with us. I am. Hey, good morning. Good, good morning. <laughs> there you are. I can actually see you. Wow, I didn't know we were going to do this uh, so up close and personal. Uh, I didn't either. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you were dressed for the occasion like I am. Uh, Ernie, uh, thanks for taking some time here this morning. And um, what we're going to talk about a little bit is, uh, so you were involved, uh, I know you're a, a law enforcement officer, uh, also a deacon with the church, um, talking about, uh, it seems to me that, uh, you legalized marijuana a couple years before Illinois did, um, and Illinois did it about two years ago. And your experience out there is sort of leading ours. Um, I, I think we talked the other day that uh, 
it looks like there's a recent uh, news story, and it seems like the, the legalization of marijuana has not led to some of the outcomes that were promised by those who, who passed the bill. And interestingly enough, it looks like right now the, uh, the black market for uh, marijuana is actually having more sales and volume is actually higher with the black market in the legal, legal market. Um, I'm wondering if that was your experience out there and, and, and what some of, some of the outcomes that may have, have, have been experienced due to that, the, those, those outcomes. Sure. So in Colorado, we legalized the sale of medical marijuana uh, in 2009. And then a couple of years later, in, uh, in 2011, 2012, uh, Colorado legislature legalized, or the voters legalized recreational marijuana for sale. Uh, two ounces and under for adults 21 and over. Um, what we said back then uh, has come to fruition where the black market has totally exploded. Um, legalizing marijuana has not diminished the black market one iota. In fact, it's interesting because we've had since legalization uh, in 2012 and the legislature uh, promulgated all these rules to quote unquote make it tough to um, uh, to regulate, right? Uh, we've had almost eight tons of marijuana that we've seized uh, in drug investigations. So that's from the black market per, uh, itself. We've ha <clears throat> had over 68,000 uh, marijuana plants that have been uh, uh, seized as well. So not only just tons of marijuana that were uh, for sale on the streets of Denver outside of dispensaries, legalized dispensaries, but 68,000 plants seized. And here's this. Through Colorado, Colorado being a source state of marijuana, 29 states in the United States have seized marijuana that was leaving Colorado and destined for their states. It, it, that's so the thing. It, it's 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 exploded. Yeah, it, it's interesting because um, we were sold uh, the notion that oh, if you legalize it, the state would quote unquote profit off it because it would take in more revenue through the taxation of this once illegal drug. But now, uh, even though it, it has been legalized, the, the black market hasn't gone away. So in essence, I, I think we could argue we probably have more people using it because those that wouldn't because it was illegal before now will do so legally. But those that are, were, were involved with the black market either have continued that or, or they're, just, they're, just, they're just doing more of it. That's correct. So, you know, the promise is always, you know what, we are going to tax the heck out of it, as, you know, as as, as legislators like to say, and we will make sure that we will uh, work toward our infrastructure uh, improvements, we'll build schools, housing, all this great stuff that's promised. But here's the fact. It's our our tax revenue for the state of Colorado is is 0.85 percent of the total fiscal budget of each year. Mm -hmm. That's it. Yeah. Who's making the money is big marijuana. You know, we used to call it big tobacco back in the day of the Marlboro man and the, you know, the camel, right. Joe camel and all these places, you know, this, this Madison street type of marketing, that's a same tactic that's successfully being used for the marijuana lobby. So the, the citizens are the ones that are, are, are suffering for this. We're losing a generation of kids through dependency and addiction just because of legalization of marijuana alone. Um, a friend of mine, Dr. Uh, Christian Thurstone, he is the attending psychiatrist for juvenile uh, addiction and dependency at Denver Health Medical Center. And since 
2012, he has seen an upward departure of juveniles, 18 and under, presenting themselves with addiction and dependency issues uh, over the over this last almost decade now of legalization in Colorado. You said you said a lot there. Um, one of the things I want to pick up on is is the corporate influence here. Um, we're a couple years behind you in, in Illinois, a couple years behind Colorado in legalization. I think we did it two years ago. It's been interesting to observe the issues that have uh, been developing after legalization. The legislature has spent an ignorant amount of time. Um, they just passed what you want to call cleanup legislation. They've been working on this forever. And the issue right. that they've been trying to address is, I, I just find this fascinating, that the complaint has been that not enough of the dispensary licenses have gone to minority-owned businesses. So they wanted to change the law such that um, the corporations that currently held licenses when we were just doing medical, they got all the, when, when Illinois went to legal, they got all the licenses. And one of the things that they had promised here in Illinois is that minorities, mostly blacks and Latinos, were going to be able to get the licenses for the sale of legalized marijuana cause, so they could profit off it. It was, this, it was sold as like an economic development thing. And now they say they've uh, addressed that. But I wanted to, I, I, my fear now is that's not going to happen. I think what's going to happen is what you started talking about, which is you're going to see large corporations like we saw when we were kids um, you know, the, the, the large tobacco companies going in, I think what you're going to see is they're going to start gobbling up these smaller dispensaries, and you're going to have the, corp, the corporatization of, le of legalized marijuana going on all over the country. That's my fear. You know, and that, that is a fear that uh, is, is coming to fruition. The unfortunate thing is this, these, these types of laws, and, and they are laws that our elected officials are pushing through state legislatures, um, they're totally um, reckless. And they're reckless from the point of the addiction and the violent crime um, that occurs in minority communities um, is real. And it has increased over the, over the last several years. A lot of factors for that. And then you add this illegal uh, substance that was illegal, marijuana, that's highly addictive. It's not your Cheech and Chong Mm -hmm. uh, marijuana from mm -hmm. the late 60s, early 70s with 3% mm -hmm. THC at most. The mar marijuana that's manufactured in the United States now um, has been tested at at least 38 to 40% THC just for smokable marijuana. And then you add the extracts, you add the dabbing to that, the honey oil, you add the edibles. You know what? You're up to almost 100% THC. So we have people walking around getting high but getting totally blown out of proportion with their minds, walking around the streets and having these drug-induced psychoses that happen on an everyday basis. And those happen also in the minority community. So I think it's totally ironic to push ownership of uh, illegal drugs um, that hurt the minority community, which I am part of. And the unfortunate thing is we're starting to see this this entire generation, this entire plan, uh, exacerbating um, our education system, our uh, our traffic fatalities, and and uh, impaired driving. Um, marijuana use for youth has increased over thirty percent this last decade for kids twelve and under, or twelve and older. I'm sorry. Um, 
it's it's just it's I don't want to say it's Armageddon, but it's truly bad. And as a police officer for I'm in my 38th year, I'm still active um, and I'm a deacon of the, of the Catholic Church. I see it uh, throughout the entire fabric of society. You have a unique perspective, both as a law enforcement officer and somebody who's involved with with the church at a very high level, being a deacon. Um, you know, I'm talking to you from Chicago, and uh, we have a crime problem here. I'm sure you've even reading about it. It's a national story, yeah. uh, especially during the summer. We have an increasing amount of violence in, in the city. Um, uh, shootings are up. Murders are up. Um, last year, when oh, the whole country was going through a lot of these riots, we saw untold amount of property damage. And I'm wondering, like, how much of that, and, and you could tell from those large crowds with, you know, a number of these people now, <laughs> it's perfectly uh, acceptable now to have people who are using legalized marijuana. And, and, I, and I, it's hard to probably break that out in terms of, you know, cause effect, but I, it's got to go into the mix. It can't be helping our, pro- our, com- our crime problem, as you indicated. No, it's not. And, you know, only time will give us that yeah. data to actually have that causality link. But at the same time, anecdotally, we're, we've seen it for, for the last several years. So, you know, crime hits every type of culture and every type of race in our society, right? Everyone is vulnerable to be a victim or vulnerable to be um, part of the problem. The unfortunate thing is, is with the decrease in, in law enforcement officers because of what's happened over the last several years, we have an early exit with, the, with a, a lot of numbers of police officers. We have skyrocketing crime, especially where you're at mm-hmm. in Chicago. Mm-hmm. You know what? Marijuana and illegal drugs are a huge factor, especially in the minority community, unfortunately. Um, but the, at the same time, what is society doing by legalizing this drug because the only people that are making money on this thing, the only people that are making money off the addiction in the backs of those vulnerable people who have those types of dependency issues are big marijuana. So these are these large corporations, as you attested to, like Altria, who has already started to trademark some of these unique names that uh, marijuana products have and getting ready for a federal move to uh, push legalization across all 50 United States. It, it's a really bad track, Ron, and that's one of the reasons we want to talk about it today is I don't know if we can reverse the legalization in states like Colorado and, and Illinois and, and some others. I, I, I would hope we could, but if we can't, I, I would hope at least we could stem the legalization movement because, as you well know, there is legislation introduced in Congress to legalize it nationally. Um, it doesn't have a lot of support yet, but, but like you said, um, look what's going on in Colorado. Look what's coming to Illinois. Once the corporate influence starts getting in there, and we know that leads to a significant amount of uh, uh, political action committee donations, um, they are very sophisticated, not only in the marketing, but in the political activity. And so we really want to do what we can to stem the movement on the nationalization or the legalization of this throughout the country because I, I, I really fear 
it, it's bad enough in, in cities like Chicago and in Denver and, and elsewhere. Um, in, in Oregon, I think that, that started this, um, that I think you could see legalization of, of, of marijuana would really have a detrimental effect on, on like you said, the kids, et cetera. I find it interesting, too, one, one, one more point is that um, in Illinois when we did this, there was a lot of talk about how much money would be coming in through state tax revenue sources um, to help like behavioral health and people who are addicted and that kind of thing. I'm curious in Colorado, did they do the same thing there? And, and is that seen, have you seen any effect uh, from those funding of those programs? Because I don't think we've seen it much here. Yeah. So one of the most lacking things in, in, in this whole mess is treatment for addictions and dependencies. Um, one of the other factors is education on how bad marijuana and strong marijuana is. Um, the promises have been made like that, and it's this template, the template that every state is using. Um, we have, like I stated before, less than 1% of our annual tax revenue mm-hmm. for the state of Colorado comes from marijuana sales. The rest goes to the actual people who are making, uh, cultivating, and owning these businesses. Um, the fact is, is in a seven-year average from like – 2013 and 2019, uh, since legalization, we've had exposures of marijuana to babies, right? Drug and indu- drug-induced environments in apartments and condos and houses and rental houses. It's quadrupled over the seven-year period for exposures to kids that have to go and get, seek treatment at ERs. Treatment for uh, all ages uh, has increased. So you know these these victims are kids. Uh, you know, it's not responsible use of adults using marijuana. Um, and the unfortunate thing is we're starting to see all these types of ripple effects that affect. I was an, I was an undercover narc for years, part of my career. And, you know, you go in these houses and undercover operations and, and, and you, you see the squalor that people yeah. live in. You see the loss of life and productivity, um, jobs and careers that are taken away because of the use of illegal drugs. And marijuana is definitely part of it. It's not this benign drug that's been pushed by Hollywood and society over the last 10 years. It is a truly addictive, uh, almost LSD type of drug. You know, look at all the problems we have with heroin and opiates. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Look at all the problems we have with methamphetamine. Right. Fentanyl, right. Now we add a highly potent marijuana piece to this. And yes, could we get the genie back in the bottle after all these years? More likely not. <clears throat> but I tell you what, we have a groundswell in Colorado that we see of citizens rising up and forming these groups that are pushing our state legislature to put potency caps on THC products. It's a start. Okay. I don't know how far we're going to get, but it's a start. But yet then again, we have these great examples of what Mothers Against Drug Drivers did exactly. for the last 30 years, right? right, right. We have a great uh, template of what they've done with cigarette smoking in public, right? right? Oh, sure. But yet it's so ironic that it's all open doors for marijuana. It doesn't make any sense. You know, that's probably a, a way of closing. I was thinking about this. Like, what can we do about this? I mean, you're a deacon. Uh, you're a law enforcement officer. Uh, you have a bit of a platform. I mean, you have something. And, and maybe that's the best thing we can do for now is focus on, like, the next best step, which would be could we get potency caps? Could we get uh, concerns about um, addiction and lack of funding for uh, treatment for addiction treatment. Maybe that's the best thing to do for now. And like you said, out of that, look what's grown up with 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 alcohol, uh, with mothers against drug driving, and some other and some other examples as well. 
That, that's correct. And you know what? Um, I see people in my diaconate work in my ministry uh, that come to me that know that I was an ARC and uh, I'm an active police officer and they're asking for help. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm hooking them up with different areas of, of addiction and treatment specialties. But here's the problem that's lacking too, Bob, is truly data-driven uh, responses to addiction and treatment for people who really want it. And it, it's, it's one of those, you know, 12-step programs that um, are severely lacking in society. You know, the, our, our federal government, our state governments uh, aren't doing an adequate enough job, in my opinion, uh, for adequate treatment and prevention uh, and also the messaging that goes with availability of that and also the access to that. That's going to be able to sustain people that want to stay off drugs. Yeah, good, good. Uh, Deacon Ernie, thanks so much for taking some time this morning. I know you're a busy guy, and it uh, looks like we caught you in your car <laughs> of all places. So You caught me from the gym. So I oh, good. Tire, good, that's what I need to do later. <laughs> thanks so much for taking some time, and we'll, uh, we'll stay in conversation, and uh, hopefully we'll uh, make some progress on this topic. Thanks for joining us this morning. God bless um, you. Thank you. God bless you as well. Uh, don't go away. We'll be right back. Uh, in studio will be uh, the president of Empower Illinois, uh, Anthony Holter, talking about a bit of a success this past session with the scholarship tax credit. Don't go away. We're right back.